Okay, mic check, one, two, one, two, one, two. Uh, yeah, let's get it. Okay, so if y'all want to get crazy, we can get crazy. crazy, 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 crazy. Wait, what? Great parade, red. Who drank my apple juice? I, 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 I like to give a round of to my band, Sexual Chocolate. Play me. What? One game, one on one. For what? Your heart. It was like his dip just Baby, baby. Please. Please. Please, baby. Please, baby. Baby, baby. Please. Yo. You got the juice now, man. And that's the double truth. Roo, roo. Everybody, here we are yet again with another episode of Adventures in Black Cinema. Ugh, your passport to black film. You came to the right place today during spooky season. My name is Desmond Thorne and I will be your host and your film aficionado for the day. And I'm so excited because we have a guest returning to the show. She is one of our favorite guests to have on the show. And we are welcoming back Miss Shay Fillmore. Welcome back, Shay. Hello. Spooky, spooky intro. Ghost noises. Hello. Spoopy. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me back. Absolutely. Always, always. And since we last spoke on the episode about Ma, the classic Ugh. cinema of Ma. That's a great spooky film, too. Great spooky film. Great spooky film. Shay has since then started her own podcast with our friend in cinema, Miss Allie. And this podcast is called She's Great in That. So tell us a little bit about the pod, Shay. Give us some deets. So basically, it's like blank check, but in, more insane because instead of just going through a director's filmography, we're going through an actress's filmography. So mm-hmm. There's way more work. And we really started off pretty, pretty crazy where our first actress is Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, yeah. Because there's no one like there's no one like her. Um, and so we've kind of had to like bunch stuff together in very strange ways, kind of do solo episodes for more, uh, monumental films and all that jazz because my thing, and I've always felt this way. And I think you're in the same way with, you know, kind of programmer brain. There's just so many hidden gems out there. There's and you a lot. can't trust, you know, you can't trust a Rotten Tomatoes. You can't really you trust can't. Like, a Metacritic. It's just kind of like, you can't trust it. And so I just like want to find the hidden gems because yes. I will sing the praises of those hidden gems for yes. the rest of my life. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Fully. And but absolutely with, with, with doing that comes with a lot of stinkers and you're kind of like, oh. Totally. Totally. Oh. Totally. But that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the whole experience too because I think watching as many movies as we do, there are frequent gambles on either end. Like movies that you heard that were bad, that are like actually bad, and then some that you've heard that are bad, that are good, and then ones you've heard that are good, that are absolute trash. Oh yeah, we had to watch I Am Sam, which was panned when it came out, but it was nominated for Oscars. Sean Penn is going to hell. He's going to hell, fuck him. Everybody knows you never go full retard. You don't buy that? Yeah, Sean Penn, 2001, I am saying. Yes, going to hell. He is going to hell for so many things. Holy for shit. For so many things. Yes. Fuck him. <laughs> Including that fucking movie. <laughs> Fuck him. 
<laughs> oh my God. Thankfully, there will hopefully never be any crossover in terms of talking about a black film on this podcast and having to talk about him. I honestly don't think there are any, like, is he in it, any movies with black people? <laughs> probably. 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 Some sort of, like, uh, 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 yeah, fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I bet. He's in Carlito's way, which is like vaguely ethnic, but in that true. Al Pacino, I'm pretending I'm not an Italian way. True, um, true, true. What do you think about and, that? And then we'll have to have a discussion about whether it yes, should be covered. We have to. We have to. And I'm wondering too, so you're doing Michelle Pfeiffer now. What do you see in the future for the actresses that you will cover? It's crazy because there are so many iconic actresses who have very mm-hmm. storied, like, um, careers. I mean, the whole reason this started was because I was like, I love Nicole Kidman. And I just want to like dive into that shit. But that's gonna mm-hmm. take. When we get to that, we'll get to that. That's gonna take um, a while, yeah. Yeah, and I have other ideas for that idea. Um, mm-hmm. But we're thinking possibly an Angela Bassett, kind of like a night, like you know, a kind of similar timeline, contemporary to Michelle, but like with a different kind of career. Totally. Possibly a Kira Knightley because we just love we stand mm-hmm. Kira in this house. Our pouty, our pou- pouty babe. Mm-hmm. The jaw. The jaw. I can talk about Pride and Prejudice <gasps> for ten hours. Yes, yes. And but Daddy then, McFadden. Oh, that's Daddy. That's <laughs> daddy. daddy. Sorry, not to do this on the Black Podcast. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, but he's Daddy. That's Daddy. That's Mr. Darcy. Come on. Um, oh God. But then. We have Kiki Dunst. <gasps> Kiki Dunst. Give her the things. Ooh. Give her Ooh. the things. Who said this isn't a fucking game? When yes. she was like yes. a baby. She was like, this isn't a fucking game, honey. And then Interview. as she grew up, as she got older, bangers yeah. after bangers after bangers. bangers. I guess yeah. I mean, I'd have to rewatch Bachelorette, which I don't love. But yeah, we'll get yeah, to yeah. It when we get to it. Yeah, and The Beguiled, which she is good in. She's the best part of it. Well, yeah. well no, Colin Farrell is the best part of that movie. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That little girl, too. That The, the smallest girl. Oh, the one who's like, too. I loved the pie. I loved, in, yeah. I loved eating the pie. I, I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. it. It was so good. <laughs> but we love Kiki. That love is Kiki. so great. I'm so excited to listen to more and to continue to dive in with y'all because I agree that this is an idea that I don't really think I've seen people do in this way. And I think the trajectory... Yeah, but also the trajectory of women in Hollywood is something that is very important to pay attention to and to really dive into. I mean, like... We're going to watch a film directed by Amy Heckerling called I Could Never Mm. Be Your Woman, where Michelle's love interest is Paul Rudd. But then a few years later, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Michelle Pfeiffer is playing the mother of Evangeline Lilly, the love interest to his Ant-Man, which is just like, it's just so interesting to see the ways like, and you, you know, we all know these, the way that things are. People are over, over sexualized when they're young. They have to do all this crazy shit to kind of, like, get attention. And then once they reach a certain age and don't look a certain way, then they're just, like, it's it's such a hard time. And they have to get into producing yeah. their own stuff. Like, it, it's yep. so... Um, exactly. It's really gross. But it is interesting exactly. to see. And mm-hmm. with that knowledge, maybe we can change. Totally. Change it. Who knows? Totally. Totally. Like... 
hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, everyone who we know, at least, who is in film, like, making their way into a place where, like, motherfuckers, real motherfuckers are making decisions. Real motherfuckers, you know? Yeah. So, and hopefully seeing that trajectory change and adjust over the years as you get to some more contemporary actors. Like, Karen Knightley's a really interesting one. Yeah. Because it'll be, like, a bit shorter, but she's, like... yeah. Because she also started so young, too. It's just kind of yeah. like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, she was, like, 16 when she did Pirates. Like, Yeah. Damn. I forget insane. that. And fucking Atonement. <laughs> we Ooh. stand. We stand Ooh. Atonement. Bend mm. it like Beckham. She bend said. Bend it. <laughs> bend it. You better bend, bend it. it, bitch. You better bend it. <laughs> you better bend it, bitch. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Well, oh everybody, God. definitely check out She's Great in That with Shay and Allie. It is so good. And you will definitely be seeing Shay out here doing intros and Q&As all throughout New York City and doing events and stuff. And also doing trivia at Nighthawk Cinema Prospect Park. That so, is so true. Like, yes. So come through. Shay's the bomb. You already know that. So yeah. come through. I'm a girl about town. Come and <laughs> I'm going to make you laugh. I'll yes. say that. You're going to have a yes. good time. Yes, yes. That's all. I- oh, also, uh, if you want to spend Halloween with me, I will oh, be yes. introducing a um, screening of The Ring at Nighthawk Prospect Park. I think at like 9.15. You should totally yes. come through. I so already have my outfit that. picked out. <laughs> yeah. I will just say that this movie is getting a sequel movie uh, that's going to be released in, uh, in, a, in a few months. My costume. Yes. It is based on. Just ooh, a little hint. Just a little hint. Ooh, ooh, I will look very good. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yes, come through for that. I fucking love the ring. I love Shay. So that's going to be amazing. Uh, Halloween. What a treat. What a fucking treat. Well, speaking of. Now for some tricks. Yeah, now for some tricks. (laughs) Now for some tricks. Uh, Because. Today, greetings from Chicago, Illinois. This week's episode is called Adventures and Rituals and Remakes, and we will be getting into the nitty-gritty of both Candymans. Yes, the Candyman from 1992, as well as the Candyman from 2021, honeys. But first... But first, before we get into all of the things, we are going to be playing a spooky season edition of Who's Invited? Mm -hmm. This is a tasty burger. Yes. So... If it's your first time at Adventures in Black Cinema, in an episode in which I have a guest, Who's Invited is a game that I like to play when I have someone join me on the show. And this is a game in which I go down a list of black films directed by white people, and it's up to my guest to decide whether this film gets invited to the cookout or not. AKA, is this film actually in the hearts of black people? Do we actually accept it as a black film? film. And we don't do this to give white people a pat on the back for doing the bare minimum, the That's your own 
bare minimum. That's your own business. But we do this to raise awareness on the fact that, number one, so many of these movies exist, more than you may think, and think about the ways in which they inform how we see ourselves on screen and in real life. So in this spooky season edition, I will be going down a list of black horror films or horror films with black leads directed by white people. And Shay, as you know, because you are a veteran at this game, if you think a film is invited to the cookout, your response must be yeser. If you don't think the film is invited to the cookout, your response must be by Felicia. You can't pass on any of these. Some of these are quite obscure, and I apologize for that. But you must go on your gut, what you've heard, what you think, and uh, proceed. So, I think you're ready. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely ready. So I'm gonna put on my timer here, and we're gonna get started. Okay, so the timer has begun. Vampire in Brooklyn. Bye, Felicia. It's not very good. <laughs> Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yes, sir. Instant classic. Nobody, nobody, nobody. It's unmatched. unmatched. Nobody. It's it's unmatched. She's unmatched. Um, Abby. Oh, yes, sir. We love flexibility <laughs> horror. Yes, yes. Uh, Gothica. Yes, sir, because Halle Berry was taking risks. She's a pioneer. She's a pioneer. yes. Yes, post-Oscar risks. Post, because uh, it gets real weird post-Oscar. It gets weird. Our girl was taking risks. Go ahead. It gets weird. Um, attack the block. Oh, yes, sir. So good. Baby John Boyega. <laughs> so good. Baby so lovely. Baby John. Baby John. Subtitles um, on. I don't know what the fuck they're saying, but that's Word. Funny. Word. <laughs> Bros. Uh, the people under the stairs. Uh, I haven't seen it, but yes, sir. Classic. Word. Wes. And last but not least... Candyman 1992. Yes, sir. Um, yes. It's brilliant. Yes. It's brilliant. Yes. It's great. It Who? is. Question mark. Like. <laughs> Who? Who? And it's interesting bitch. to you. I'm in the hives. <laughs> you know, um, man, th- there really was a lost opportunity. I know that they did the whole say my name thing in the trailer, but that's Destiny's Child. That is not Beyonce. You know what I'm saying? In terms of like connecting the hive and the hive, they're not one and the same. Y'all tried to be cute and it like, it it wasn't doing what you thought it was doing. It just wasn't. It's actually, and it's like extra insidious because it's like, oh, people say say her name when we are talking about exactly uh, black women that have been murdered. But um, exactly, go ahead and use that for your movie. Mm-hmm. I said I wasn't going to be spicy, but damn no, it, it's but, upsetting. You know, it is upsetting. It is upsetting. Don't fucking do that. Don't like, do th- it. That's the only thing you could come up with. Seriously. For that. Seriously. Yeah. Exactly. And you've got like all of these creative minds working together. I mean, on paper, when you think of Nia DaCosta's former work and then you think of Jordan Peele's former work, you think that like, oh, that is just a marriage of brilliance and we're going to get something that does feel like it's for us and it doesn't happen that way. But more on that 
after this commercial break. We about to get into it. We almost got into it, but we gonna get into it after Don't at us. My God. Don't at us. Please don't. Please don't. Because we have... We have good things to say, and we have things that we are disappointed in. You know, it's always about balance, children. And, and this stay is how art tuned. gets better, is when we have yes. conversations about it. Exactly. You have to have conversations about it. You have to. You do. And we about to get into it. Stay tuned. So now let's get into the nitty gritty of Candyman 1992 and Candyman 2001. So Candyman 1992 was directed by Bernard Rose and Shay. Give us a little summary of Candyman 92, if you would. I'll be I'll be brief. Um, basically, <laughs> there's this guy. He back back in the back in the day. I don't know the time period. Back in the day, racist days, extremely racist mm-hmm. days. There's this guy. Mm-hmm. He was a painter. He was painting this white lady. He and the white lady fell in love because it was racist days. They were like, "Oh hell no, honey!" And they like extremely like horribly like hate crimed him. They like fed him to like bees and they lit him on fire and they gave him a hook hand. It's extremely graphic and very upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is known as the Candyman. Um, also, we are re-recording this because I had some sound issues, and we said his name several times, and we're both still alive, which is good. Yes, this is true. This is true. We did so, record this episode before you because can of say technical his difficulties. Name five times <laughs> if you are looking at yourself in a computer, it's fine. Yes, it's um, safe. We're, unless we're both dead, who knows? Um, <laughs> can you imagine ghost podcasting? Oh, thank God, we have fans. Oh, um, okay. So there's this urban legend that you say his name five times in the mirror, Candyman guts you with his hook hand. And we flash forward to the 90s, the early 90s, and there's this white lady named Helen, and she's like, I am in grad school. I am married to my uh, old professor guy. He's hot, and I he's not hot. She's like, mm, and I want to write a really good fucking thesis or whatever the fuck to impress the Ivy League fat cats. Uh-huh, academia mm-hmm. stuff. And she's like, I'm going to write my thing on urban legends and uh, Candyman and, like, Caprini Green and stuff like that because the can- like, Candyman is, like, tied to that location. And so she goes, and everyone's like, bitch, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Get out- get that camera out of my face. Please leave. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be here. And she's like, um... Okay, whatever, and still continues to fuss around. She says his name five times, and he's fully uh, former guest Jordan Searless on Letterboxd called this movie a um, a vampire movie, and she's fully mm-hmm. right. This yeah. Candyman's going full vampire and just being like, "Bitch, I want you to exactly. Helen. Like exactly. just following her around and creating a lot of hijinks around her, which turns mm. into this thing where it's just like, "Hmm, this horrible thing happened." And you're covered in blood, white lady. Yeah. Did you do these horrible things? And she's like, no, it wasn't me. It was Candyman. Like, sure, Jan. Um, (laughs) Sure, Jan. And then in the end, she has a final showdown with Candyman, who steals a baby. She saves the baby, but dies in this dramatic bonfire. And I guess she becomes like Bloody Mary or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. Which, I don't understand the the spiritual trade off of like you killed this this ghost guy. Now you're ghost lady. That's fine. Right. 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 And that's basically what happens. Lots of blood. Yeah. Great Philip Glass score. Um, great score. Great that's basically, score. That's basically, I mean, also, they say the plot of this movie, like, 20 times in the new one. I'm being dramatic. Yeah, it was, like, do. three times, but, like, three yeah. times is... Yeah. That's a it. lot. That's a lot. And it's also, like, something that I really wish of the new film... That for some reason I got the impression, I think because in the trailer you just see Yaya telling someone about Candyman. So I went into this movie thinking that like, oh, everyone must know about this because this was a huge thing that happened in this area. So it seems like something that would be naturally just like passed on over one generation, it's just one generation. So the fact that this whole story had to be told in the beginning to these people, I was like already kind of disappointed in that. What a great jumping off point to just like, everyone knows what this is and it's back. Like, that's so scary. (laughs) Like, that's so scary. So to give you a summary of Candyman 2021, in present-day Chicago, we meet an artist named Anthony McCoy, played by Yaya Abdul-Mantin II, who is fine as fuck. He is just gorgeous. <laughs> there was a point where I was seeing this movie the second time. The first time you see him with his shirt off, somebody in the audience audibly was like, damn. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Yaya. Oh my gosh. And uh, Yaya as Anthony McCoy lives with his girlfriend named Brianna, played by Tiana Paris, who is a museum curator who is trying to help him through an artistic rut while they live in a beautiful apartment that is hers. It's her apartment. <laughs> that he belongs does, to does her. Anthony does not pay the rent. He does not he pay does the not. rent. And he she gave not. him a room that he can use as a studio. He does not. He... Mm-hmm. That ain't his. Continue. That ain't his. (laughs) And this apartment that they live in is in the now gentrified Cabrini Green Projects. When Anthony hears about the tale of Candyman and Helen, he receives the inspiration that he needs to fuel his latest artistic project called Say My Name. He eventually develops an obsession over Candyman that is influenced by a man who runs a nearby laundromat named William Burke, played by Coleman Domingo. And this character is so, so uh, strange. Candyman. <laughs> that name in a long time. Candyman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love him. He's the best. He's one of the best. I, I mean, but, um, Coleman Domingo is brilliant. This is strange. <laughs> It's the whole strange. damn hive. <laughs> so fucking strange. So from there, when he develops his relationship with the laundromat guy and starts to fuel this obsession over Candyman, we see Candyman essentially kill a bunch of various white people in the area, which creates a, no pun intended, buzz about Anthony and his art piece as he descends into madness and his arm gets fucked up and he starts to basically like become a candy man um yeah that's uh if it sounds weird and not great that's because it is like weird and not great um so sorry about that (laughs) um 
This film also stars Nathan Stewart Jarrett, who gets probably the most successful comedic moments in this movie. They try a couple times. He plays Brianna's gay younger brother, and he's funny. He made me laugh. Yeah, Um, he's funny. Yeah, there's a couple of times where they try humor in other ways and it does not work as well, but he's funny. Yeah. I yeah. really liked him. Um, Truly like Rebe- a person who was like like a person in the movie and just going to be like, exactly. the fuck? Exactly. The fuck? <laughs> exactly. Truly a person in this movie. Um, Rebecca Spence is in this film playing an art critic. She is really good and does her job really well. It's the way that they kind of use her character in certain ways. Like... Yeah, that's very... Playing... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, playing Shamika while he's at her apartment is just, like, not a good choice. Like... I fucking... I am overall a little bit, like, the portrayal of the white people in Get Out was, like, very specific for that movie and, Mm -hmm. like, you know, very funny and very telling Mm -hmm. and all of that jazz. Um, but like, I think if you really want to be a bit more biting about these types of like people and their microaggressions, one, don't bring Fiona Apple into this. I'll kill you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Two, be a bit more like in reality. Like, yes, these people seem ridiculous. Like, I think it was Angelica Jade who was just like the film um, uses like does all these things that black people understand on like a molecular like level. And I'm totally. wondering like, okay, is this like you have to make these characters so like outwardly like horrible for everybody to understand that this ca- this person's kind of like out of line and like kind of being an asshole? You don't need to do that. You don't. With us. But also hot take the critic wasn't wrong exactly was bad <laughs> exactly this was bad exactly it, it was, was also very on the and nose it was in poor yeah, taste. Overdone. yeah she said it was in poor Absolutely. taste like honey she wasn't lying she wasn't lying but also yeah. fiona apple is about that action she donated all the money exactly. that she made from letting them use the song to the harlem boys mm-hmm. choir like fiona yeah. apple is about that don't exactly like don't do that Exactly. I hate that. Like, exactly. especially since everybody, everybody with ears likes Fiona Apple. Don't. Exactly. Don't. And also, if you wanted to use that song in order, because you knew the result of it would be getting that money to the Harlem Boys Choir, you can use it in other ways. You yeah. know? I mean, it's a, I did think, it's a good song. Yeah. Like, overall, I think the um, some of the, like, music supervision was a little, like, on the nose a little bit totally. like when the um when those girls get killed in the bathroom but before they mm. get killed the black girl comes in and she's listening to Lonely by Jamila Woods and I'm just like is she lonely? Is that why she's listening to the song? Is she lonely? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Is that is that what's going on? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's yeah. just um it's fine. You just calm down. Like, take it down a little totally. bit. Like, we get it. Totally. Audiences totally. Are so we do much get it. smarter than, they especially are. like if audiences can see something like us, which is very um, ambiguous and big yeah. swinging and yeah. like weird, like mainstream weird. Like, if audiences like see that and like fuck with it, 
you don't have to do all this. You don't have to do all that. You don't have to do all that. And I kind of thought that at this point, that would be the kind of trust that would be present in this film, you know? Um, Because Us was such a great step in black horror. Like, it was so, it was so good on so many levels. And Nia's work in Little Woods, I remember you saying last time that Little Woods also is like a horror movie. Like, the horrors of living in America as a woman and access to reproductive rights is like, Terrifying. It's, it's so terrifying. terrifying. And it's so like subtle and like subdue. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I see, I see like, I mean this, I think on Letterboxd, I said this was the rise of Skywalker of Candyman movies. <laughs> <laughs> Where it just kind of feels like it's five different things kind of mushed together. Mm-hmm. And then like 30 minute, like two hours worth of information and like plot are shoved into 30 minutes. And you're kind of like, okay. Okay, uh, I don't it. know why I'm rolling down a poop pill, but I am, and that's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. But, like, I, the similarities I see is, like, you know, Little Woods is very subtle and uh, very, like, this is what it is. And, you know, Candyman has this um, kind of slow burn kind of vibe to it. It's mm-hmm. not really, like, scary. And that's yeah. fine. Um, yeah. I don't think it was meant to be scary. Totally. But um, the first one is scary. Yeah. Yes, it is. homage goes beyond um, just replaying the plot of a movie. Totally. Or adding adding plot points to continue a story. That's not what homage is. Totally. Absolutely. Amen. It's definitely not doing like, you know a paint by numbers essentially or loving the film so much that you feel like you don't want to quote unquote mess with it. And to that point, then maybe just do something else. Maybe like leave this idea of like (laughs) continuing Candyman behind for maybe someone else to do if they want, but like tell another story, you know? The art slasher guy. He's yeah. content the galleries and he's slashing the art. Ah. Yeah. Like, like, he's come for the gallery, he, sis. He, that's not wine on the walls. It's blood. Like, <laughs> yes, I think we need to call them right now and just pitch this. Hey, honey, it's me again. Hey, <laughs> I just pitched Maud too, but like a few months ago with Desmond, but we're back and we can get some more ideas. Yes, um, yes, yes. We're here. We're ready. Yeah. When you're ready, we're ready. And then this, this feels like a much like looser kind of conversation since we've kind of like talked about all this stuff before. Yeah, yeah. But it's just um, it's just weird because like what's so good about the first kid, the original, is that like all of the stuff with like race and academia and gentrification and all that stuff. It's very much like it's like um subtle it's simmering under the surface it's not like very upfront like uh they came and they changed our neighborhoods and da 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 Mm -hmm. um and that's what makes it interesting is that it's not like it's not about that it's about Candyman trying to fuck this woman (laughs) yes yeah that's what it's about (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. also it's so interesting to me that the first film was about like the people that live in the projects. I mean, it's about mm-hmm. it's about Helen, 
but like their supporting cast are like the people that live in the projects. That's true. And like, yeah, they're sort of portrayed in this way that's very unwelcoming, but like, why should they be welcoming? Fuck you. Right. Um, especially Helen, someone like Helen, who's like not, who's like, you know, seeing like, seeing the projects is like, oh, I'm in a foreign country. This Mm -hmm. is so crazy. Wow. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, but thinking that she's not doing that and kind of being like, oh, I'm so intellectual. Oh my goodness. Totally. Um, But I just don't, this feels like sort of like an insight thing with this new one that like makes sense to all the people that were involved in making it because they're all kind of a part of this like elite class of people Mm -hmm. to make this new one about like, no black excellence you know what i mean it's very like it's extremely specific not that's such a small percentage of black people yeah there is so much like art world jargon in this movie yeah that like i'm like i get this i took i literally in college i took a class called the art at looking at art like i get this yeah yeah why the fuck is this happening um right and right fine but it's just um it's just, and I understand it's trying to kind of be like, oh, Anthony and Helen are kind of like in the same place and they're kind of clueless in the same sort of way. But there's just something about it that's just kind of like, okay, and? Right. Especially right. when like these sort of like narratives, like of the young black creative, that's very much what's kind of saturating the market right now. Like this isn't. It's true. It's true. I just I just don't know. I just don't like I just think it's such an interesting choice. Yeah. Um but also like that stuff is handled in a way that's so just like, okay, like, you know, the girlfriend going to that museum and there's like and it's totally a seat, you know, do you want a seat a seat at the table sort of like thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it just feels sort of behind like I don't it just has like t-shirt vibes. Like Totally. I am totally. my ancestors' wildest dreams like t-shirt vibes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think we're a little bit beyond that. I mean, I'm never going to like, you know, I'm not going to give somebody a wedgie cuz they're cuz they're cuz they're doing that, but it is just like, you know, what's what's beyond that? Yes. Where are we going? Like, where do we go from here? In the words of Solange, Where do we like, go from where here? Do we yes. Go from here? Like, yes. I just, Literally. Yeah, it's, it's it, just interesting. Yeah, it definitely felt like a period versus a um, a moving forward, just like literally showing us how things are and not yeah. really contributing anything to that. And it's interesting that they try to make Anthony the Helen of this movie because there is inherent inherent differences like to just try to make him do that really without like that much adjustment including the fact that he doesn't know about Candyman at the beginning and doesn't know anything about the Cabrini Green projects like he googles it and he almost spells it wrong in the scene in the beginning Bella doing vampire research and yeah yeah. I mean and I mean that is that is something that is interesting because it is Mm -hmm. sort of like it kind of takes work to have documentation and knowledge of like who your people are and where you come from and all that. Yeah. That stuff is kind yeah. of interesting. That's kind yeah. of like the stuff that like, like a black Panther kind of touched on in a way that was like very interesting and unexpected. Totally. Um, 
I just really don't understand how like we could um nobody thought you know to take a step back and be like oh Anthony is foolish because he is using black trauma to um to further his career for for Mm -hmm. an audience that is not like claiming that his audience like it's meant for a certain thing. It's meant to represent a certain type of person, but that's not who the audience is. Exactly. But then at the same fucking time, and so like in a way you could say that he's sort of being punished for this sort of like ignorance because mm, again, yeah, the thing yeah. about Candyman, the core thing about Candyman is to mind your fucking business. Mind your, your fucking lane. business. Yeah. But then the whole movie is that. Mm-hmm. The whole movie is the the final exactly like, little that. bit is that is is you know him getting shot by like a police guy for like no fucking reason and yeah. like it's supposed to be um, this sort of like what's the word like and this goes back to my t shirt thing of just mm-hmm. like what does it mean to see Candyman, like, slaughter a bunch of police officers. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's yeah. just a, un, that's just a weird, like, I get, I get the sort of, like, okay, that's in line with lots of black exploitation and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all that stuff, but that stuff has energy to it and humor yes. and, like, it's yes. very cathartic and, yes, like, very cathartic, it's yeah. fully about, like, the ass-whooping, like... Yes, exactly. <laughs> Vigilante-style Candyman is just kind of like, okay, that was kind of never the deal. Yeah. That was never yeah. the point. Yeah. Um... And so it just doesn't, like, mean anything. And also, like, if we want to talk about these issues, it goes beyond, you know, the Candyman slash change um, campaign link that was at the end of the movie where it's like, oh, oh my God. And we talk about stuff. And, you that know, was ridiculous. And I'm sure that wasn't the filmmaker's ideas. That was mm-hmm, totally. some person that's just, like, on the team, like, for the studio who's like, what if we did this? Like, I get yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. That stuff doesn't yeah, hurt, yeah. but that's, like... The issues are white supremacy and capitalism. Mm-hmm. The issue, like they say in the movie, it's the whole damn hive. That doesn't just mean like the cops. It's everything. Exactly. Exactly. It's everything. Exactly. It's everything. That's very true. And they don't and really explore that to its fullest potential at all. Also, it's a bad look. Like, okay, yeah. Candyman saves somebody from the police. But then there's a whole bunch of bodies laying around slaughtered. Mm-hmm. That will that will cause more policing in the area. Yes, exactly, exactly. What does that that doesn't make sense? Mm-mm. And then the sort of like, oh, there are several candy men who Yo. are the slain slain men and say their names like that. Just like turn into ghost niggas at all? Yeah. Yes. Yo. Honestly. Honestly, that's another pitch that we have for uh, studios. Ghost niggas. Ghost niggas. (laughs) Ghost niggas. But we would make it... Fun. Fucking fun. Like, that... And it's like um, us also as black people kind of like doing our own work because we are not taught so many of these things and like really digging up our past and like going into it and learning about it and doing something. But yeah, at the end of the day, this work 
ends up exploiting the violence that Black people face. And the film itself does the same exact thing. And they even keep saying that over and over and over again. And it just feels all very on the nose. And they never do anything about exploring Vanessa Williams' character from the first film, which would have been an actual cool thing to see because she does actually play like a very big supporting role in the original film. Yeah. Being the mother of the son and like kind of in her own way being part of the investigation. I mean, the dog gets killed and everything. Like, she's a very big part of that. And she's only in one scene of this movie. Just this one scene. And it, I don't know, it feels like it didn't really do anything better with her character that I was expecting from watching the first one. Because I think she's good, and I think that the way she's represented in the first one can feel very, like, stereotypical black woman in the projects in some ways. And then Vanessa Williams brings this wonderful sense to it that really fills out that she, character. She's, she's a person. She's like, I don't she's know a what person. the fuck is going on. Like, <laughs> she's what, a what fucking person. Yeah. And her... Yeah, I just really wanted a lot more from her perspective in this movie, especially as someone who was very much there, who could really speak to, in a way that makes more sense cinematically, what happened back then, more so than this new character, played by Coleman Domingo. Like, for her yeah. to hear that this man is back, like, that's scary, and she can provide so she, much yeah, she in... Like, yeah. Yes, and it means more from her because we saw her go through it versus, like, Coleman Domingo, like, in flashback, like, some kid, yeah. like, playing him. And yeah. And Candyman, like, kills his sister. Yeah. Question mark. But that, okay, that's another thing is that, like, you're acting like it was more traumatizing for Candyman to appear to you and, like, or... I forget. I forget. Does he like? Does he like see him as Candyman? Because like he sees him hiding in the walls, and mm-hmm. then like that's what yeah. triggers him like dying. Mm-hmm. Does he see him again as Candyman before he kills his sister? Uh that's or a d- good question. That I don't him? think so. I think that's when he sees him. Like yeah, through the mirror. Yeah, yeah. I think that's when he sees him. But it's like, okay, wouldn't that fuck him up more? Like you're making it seem like right. the incident in which he dies. I mean, they're all fucked up, and this movie is ridiculous. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is just like, huh? What? Like, it's so (laughs) casually just like, oh, yeah, and then, like, his sister got killed by Candyman. Yeah. His black sister got killed by Candyman. Yeah, Which also goes against this whole thing of, like, yeah, he's killing white people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, like... Why bring in this new Candyman as well and, like, all these other Candymen and there's, like, one second of Tony Todd? And what are are, what are all the other Candymen? Like, are they planning to do, like, all these, like, offshoots? Do on they the have other a conference? One? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> are they on conference calls? They hey, be on honey, Zoom? It's clink, clink. <laughs> It's me. It's me, the I'm other the, candy it's me, man. the Philly candy man. I'm here. <laughs> it's, like, it's like clown college, like dusty clown college. Um, for real, for real. Oh, my Lord. I just... Yeah. Okay, but also, you know, this is just one of those things that feels like it was, you know, pieced together by 20 different people. Oh, my God, um, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I was... It's not Absolutely. Absolutely. It is pretty, definitely. Though. It is. 
That is the thing. Like, I will say walking out of that movie, I still believed so much in Nia DaCosta's vision and what she was able to bring to the table. I mean, this is a very big studio film. It's not like a film like Little Woods that, you know, she wrote and directed and was like a small indie film. She has more control in those ways. Once we get to big studios and stuff, there's so many hands. There's so many opinions. There's so much different money coming from different places. Like, it gets complicated and yet still I saw a director that I'm so deeply interested in continuing along a journey with her and seeing what she does like when I saw those three names (laughs) with the writing credit the Jordan Peele and this dude and Nia DaCosta I was like oh boy because that also means like it is at least three people at at least least three people people. at least three people you know people at Universal that are heads, that are execs, that are, like, you know, producers at every level? The producers on the film also have hands, and it's a lot. Too it's a lot of cooks. And it can be tough to, you know, even if you have a different, more distinct vision of the way things could go, motherfuckers is paying for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I mean, all of this, there wouldn't be a movie if Yaya's character just, like, realized that he was a himbo and that he doesn't need to do art. Honey, you can just, like, rub your girlfriend's back Mm because she's so stressed out at work Mm -hmm. and just be supportive and go to her shows and look handsome and be nice. Yep. Be a little himbo. That's it. You don't need That's to, like, it. look what happens when himbos think that they can, like, do stuff. <laughs> he shouldn't know how to do that. Like, shut up. <gasps> this is a art. himbo cautionary tale. Yeah, like, do you do you want to be a little candy man? Right. And then he turns into Tony Todd, like, at the end of the fucking, like, what? What? It's like, so, it's so weird. He, like, and, and then, like, the whole stuff with the baby, it's just, like, you didn't, like, yeah. he didn't pass, you know, breathe into him. Right. in life like bees into the baby's mouth and now the bee right. like what right and he just, just got stung by sense. this big ass cgi bee like oh my god what the fu- i mean i understand it's like yeah. so like oh we don't want to pay like unions and like craftsmen who do practical effects so we just cgi everything because <laughs> we don't have to pay people shit yeah no practical effects bees no practical effect bugs? Never. Blood? I mean, blood? Any... Blah, blah, blood? I just, yeah. like... Yeah. Yeah. Even the blood. Yeah, it gave it, like... Because there's it such doesn't a... feel the same. Exactly. Exactly. There's such a real feeling about the 1992 Candyman, including the way that people are killed. Like, the way that you see people get killed in this movie. Yeah. And it's that grisly horror vampire slasher i mean it's giving you a lot of things and it's It's also giving giving you it's giving you ghosts it's giving you like yeah it's giving you so much and um a, a fact that i found out actually is that the way that Candyman entered you know through the mirror in terms of like you know metaphorically in terms of being a ghost and act and also um in all actuality with them finding this um tunnel this passageway through yeah. a woman's bathroom mirror that is based on real murders that actually happened in Chicago like that's more than just being a great piece of story 
Yeah. They didn't make that up. They used real shit. And I think that that's also another element of the first movie that you really can feel in its bones, that they were more about, how does this happen, like, in real life to these real people, you know? It's more concerned about giving you a full picture and a full world than I think this new film is. Yeah. I just think we deserve a little bit better. Like, just make your movie. You don't have to, like... That this works. The first one works because it's just doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just doing it. It's not. It's not like mm, time to sit down, kids. We're gonna talk about racism. Totally in the art world. Totally. And it's just like I don't exactly. And then it also is like trying to do this like mental health thing, which didn't make any mm-hmm. fucking sense with um the girlfriend's dad. I was just like, this is not. If you're gonna make the movie about her, then make the movie about her. Like if you're gonna exactly. Like, what, what is this? Exactly, because it almost does seem like it wants to take that pivot as well. You know, with her being the last one standing, she is like the final girl. And usually when you do that, the film is about like the final girl. Like Scream is about Sydney Prescott, you know what I mean? So like Mm -hmm. to conflate the two, there's just like so much conflation in this movie And usually I'm about movies that are this length. Give me a 90-minute movie. And at the same time, it does feel like there's just, like, chunks missing. Gone. Yeah. 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 Because I was thinking about that, too. I mean, it's an interesting way that one could go. But it it went there too late, and it didn't flesh it out. Yeah. I just... um... I just don't know who this is for. Like, yeah. what What was the reason? Like, why? Totally. Why? I mean, I get it. Remakes make money. Reboots make money. Mm-hmm. But I think I think we just deserve... I think especially, like, horror fans. Like, horror fans are the most... Horror fans and black people, which intersect. Yes! Um, oh, big time. time. Big time. Big time. Yeah. They should, like, give us subtlety. Give us, like... Nope. Give us more. These people aren't idiots. Like, we're not idiots. Absolutely. uh, mm, I don't know. It does not sit right in my spirit. I mean, it's not evil. Like, Dear Evan Hansen is like an evil film. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Bile in my soul. But it is just like... mm, But it's weird. I don't don't blame Nia for this. Like, it feels like it's not... Everything that's wrong with it is not her fault. Absolutely. It really absolutely feels that way. And, you know... A thing to celebrate and also to be like, Jesus Christ, another first in 2021 is that, you know, with the release of this movie, Nia DaCosta is the first Black woman to have a film debut at number one at the box office, which is... Yay! Exactly. It's like when I was when I was seeing the film for the first time... I was like, okay, this movie's going to be number one. Will she be the first one? Because I was really racking my brain. I was like, you know, I specifically remember Selma not being number one uh, because of the way they released it. They released it in limited first, and then they did nationwide. And that is also a pattern that you do see with a lot of black female filmmakers. I mean, even Zola, I think, started out in smaller theaters and then went wider, you know? Um, There is... um, obviously something to celebrate in that and very, very deserving individual for that to happen to because we do love her work. And it's like, y'all, it's 2021. It is 2021. 
And that also kind of goes into what we were saying before when we were talking about your podcast, tracking the trajectory of women in Hollywood and what happens to Black women directors after they make a brilliant first film is tragic. Like, it's really sad. Especially when other people will make a first and then they will... I mean, mean, well, she's fine. She's making a Marvel movie. She's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mia's in there, yeah. But it is like, huh. Interesting. Interesting. It's interesting, especially since, like... Yeah. I don't know. It's all fucked up in ways that, It's all fucked up. ...that make me need, like, a martini. I'm so just, like... Yeah. Yeah. And it would have been cool if this film, you know, if you are exploring how fucked up racism is within the art community and just, I mean, also in life, like, enlighten us. You know, there is a certain, um, there are certain ways and certain, again, like you were saying, nuances and subtleties that maybe not everyone is actually aware of, but this just hit all the ones that everybody knows. Also, and it give didn't your feel actors like, a fucking, like, give them something to chew on. Make the words a little bit more subtle something. so that they can, Please. like, carve out the subtlety and the subtext and, like, Please. what, you know, a polite-sounding thing, like, really means, you know? Yeah. And you got some good, good actors, actors in this, in this. movie. Yeah. Really good actors in this movie. Really, really good, solid people. And they... You know, do the best with what they have, but it's just like they could have used so much more just like us. And it doesn't really feel like a movie that is for us and by us. Yeah. You know, like, and that's really, I think, what we both want from... this genre i mean all genres but you know as fans of horror and as people who really want to see this continue to move forward in a black space like give us some for us by us shit yeah especially when you can be extremely like you can that's the beauty of horror is that you can really explore and um mull over various like topics you don't have to tell us it yeah Exactly. And especially you if you're not some, telling you, us that. You're not telling us exactly. that. Exactly. You're not telling us anything. And it's um much more exciting and much more um visceral to see a horror film that is really expressing these things that no one really wants to talk about Mm -hmm. and exploring them in through this lens of horror, it gets, you're so much more able to take in a lot of stories that way that are about like really tough shit. Like, uh, excuse me, I'm going to talk about some white shit real quick, but two movies that come to mind that do this so well are like The Babadook. We're talking grief. We're talking about how heavy that can be and exploring that through horror. And talking about the exorcist which is also in a lot of ways about grief and also a lot in a lot of ways about um personal failure mother, and mother yeah and all mother and that. child re- relationships yeah. like and what a way to explore that without being like bam 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 you yeah. know what i mean like and without honestly um something else that that those films do too is they don't take out so much 
so much brutality on their main characters. Their main characters go through a lot. They go through a lot, but the, the this, way that happens this in this had, movie... I mean, like, my main, main, like, issue is just, like, how, like, like again, Anthony has this little um, thing his little exhibit thing where he's showing like someone getting beaten up by the police and you have this long shot of us like looking at this new candy man who's been brutally beaten by the police and his like eye is swollen shut and he's like bleeding and all that stuff and I'm just like yeah why do I have to see this right right I agree it's very gross um I agree honestly like when you just like sit down and you like say like can you imagine being in the room and they're like oh yeah and then he's gonna be all fucked up because he got murdered by the police and they're they're gonna have to look at that like the people coming to see the movie are not the people that contribute to white supremacy and capitalism exactly for fucking sure exactly exactly yeah who is your audience who is this for and why is it them and not us, <laughs> you know? And that's just something that uh, they still don't get on a very big level. I mean, that fucking miniseries, Them. I did not watch it, and I heard so much about how just, like, traumatic it was and how it's all about it, the yeah. trauma of black folks. Uh, that's just not the way to do black horror, and it's just like... Mm-mm. This sucks, man. I just, I just like, yeah. I think it's so like, fucking queen and slim, fucking lack, yes. lacking subtlety, non- nonsense. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Like even absolutely. like Ma has more subtlety than this movie. <laughs> Ma, yes, always Where have to the bring most in Ma. on the nose it gets is when she paints the boy. She's like, there can only be one. <laughs> yes. There can only be one of us. Oh my God, Ma! I don't think Ma was a fan of Candyman. I don't no. think Ma liked Candyman because Ma is still alive and Ma is going to the movie theater. Please, she's give me not that dead. Sequel. I, please. <laughs> please, like, please. I'm just so. Fr- it's just so frustrating because it's like that whole last act is totally about just like IP. It is totally about just yeah. like the Candyman brand. It's totally about this like watered down through the grapevine, like not do the grapevine, like telephone game, like understanding of like what it is and not about like anything that's happened before it. Absolutely. Because I'm sorry, but like <sighs> police brutality and like navigating a white workplace have different degrees of severity. And they're trying to make exactly. it seem like it's all like one and the same. And it's like, yeah, it's all on the same tree, but like, come on, come on. Exactly, exactly. And in what ways do you feel like the first Candyman succeeded in terms of like telling an allegory about something that happens in real life? Mm. I think because it has a really, I think it succeeds in um, having a really good sense of place. Mm. Mm. Totally. 
Um, because it's so low, like, and that's what a lot of like Chicago based critics like said was that like, Oh, yeah. like the first one is about the projects. Like yes, it's very yes, much about yes. the projects and the people that live in it. Um, and this is just kind of like a vague, like a vague mention of all those things. And totally. Like all of that. I just, it's also just like crazy too, because it's like the conditions for people who like live in the projects, like haven't changed since this right. movie came out. Like why would you right. shy away? And like, it just feels like this like phony capitalist, just like, um, pyramid of like like um like success sort of thing where like the end goal is that we're all like jay-z or some shit it's just like no no but like nobody I'd actually rather... believes that and it's just a projection exactly i don't know exactly i would actually uh rather not be up uh on stage uh losing my breath just rapping two bars next to my wife who has been doing an entire show for about an hour and a half at this point and just still being flawless. I think that is, that's not the place that I want to be at. No. You know, not me personally. But you know, um, a million dollars but you know, Jay-Z, you know. It's, it's yeah. just, um, and obviously like, I don't think it less of anybody who like, liked the movie um, and thought it was like good. If you liked it, that's totally. cool. That's fine. Totally. Totally. Um, I just know that, especially when you're, you know, trying to do this thing where you're like, yes, I, you know, we are all scholars of horror and we do all this stuff. I'm like, are you? Are you though? Because what they're not doing is this. Mm -hmm. Like, it almost Mm -hmm. kind of feels like the ending sort of has this sort of like Hellraiser thing to it where you're just kind of like dropped into like this backstory that you didn't get but it just like is the situation but that's very engaging and intriguing that you're just kind of like what the fuck is going on yeah Um, yeah but it's not even doing that like what does it mean what does all what does it mean what does it i still don't know because like just mapping out what happens is nonsense and then when you try to just like think about like huh huh Exactly. It doesn't add up in that very delicious and satisfying way that we are used to getting in, you know, Jordan Peele's other two films, like the rewatchability factor. There's no final face off. It's like a police shooting. That's so true. And then like cops getting murdered. Yeah. We have no like... It's just, it just, it's just lacking subtlety. And it's mm-hmm. not just about, like, the individuals, like, you know, that scene where the cop, like, is being, like, you know, starting off kind of nice to her and then turns, like, extra nasty to her and talking down to her. And it's just, like, nobody wants to watch, like, I do not like watching black characters be, like, disrespected in that way. Which is why totally. black, black exploitation is so cathartic. Exactly. Because you'll get a exactly. backhand bitch, like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, there really has to be more of that. Because I was thinking about that today. I was, you know, getting ready for the Tales from the Hood screening. And something that we talked about when we were talking about Tales from the Hood on a podcast is how 
cathartic it is to see these characters get their reparations Mm -hmm. in ways that are not monetary and in ways that fit horror and this like campy kind of horror in that film. It is so incredibly satisfying and it's fun. And I think that's kind of where some of my original expectations were leading for the film um, when I heard that this was happening and when I saw the trailer. Thinking back and looking at the trailer now, I'm like, they really gave us everything, actually. All of them. Um, all of them. <laughs> Quote, unquote, scares, everything. Yeah. They really gave us everything. He's going to turn um, into the candy van. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, I thought for some reason that, you know, we were perhaps getting a, a peek at things to come. But I, wa- I went back and I watched it and I was like, damn, I was excited for this. But this is literally what the movie is. I mean... Did you have any other expectations originally when you first heard about the movie or when you first saw the trailer? I thought the trailer wasn't very good, um, actually. Mm. But like, it was, it was. People were also doing this thing where I was just, we were like, I think fucking sucks. Like, and this is not any sort of slight against like Mia or anything like that, because she didn't make the trailer. Um, right. Exactly. People, <laughs> like, there are separate. There are several people who like make. You know. I was kind of like, I don't yeah. think this is very good. And I had like several people being like, Oh no, of course it's going to be good. Like, you know, like, and I'm just like, Well, we don't know that. And this sort of just know. like kind of blind support. Yeah. It's, it's good to show up and show out, and black people do that all the yeah. time. It's so good. Yeah. And so important, but like. I'm not going to say that something is good just because a woman directed it. Totally. Totally. And I was just getting like a lot of that. Just like, oh yeah, it's going to be fucking awesome. I'm like, you don't know that. Mm-hmm. You don't know that. And you also like that. if you were basing things how you normally base stuff off of trailers, like do you really think that it looks amazing? Right. <laughs> right. That's a Take mean a thing second. to say, but it is just like, I just, I don't know. I just think it's a little weird, especially when it's like a very like, it has, like, a similar essence of, um, I would have voted for Obama a third time, where it's just like, I get it, yeah. you're with it, you understand, cool. But mm-hmm. also, sweeties, you weren't there to see a wrinkle in time. Actually, no, Word. sweeties, you weren't there when Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman was in theaters. You weren't there. Yep. That's fine. It's fine. Yep. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Exactly. Movies. It's fine. Exactly. It's fine. 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 It's it's just not to anyone. Yeah. And I mean, like, don't act like you are always showing up for, like, the good shit, too. Yeah. Like, don't even. Also, like, they must think that we're literally, like, idiots. Just, I mean, I guess it worked. Like, people, like, it made a lot of money, obviously, and, like, people saw it. But it is just, like, don't replicate what the Us trailer did in this trailer and think that, like... <gasps> the Say My Name. <laughs> sucks, bro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like you were saying before, to basically co-opt Say Her Name, which yeah. we were saying for these women that everyone was forgetting about and not saying their names to this cheeky co-opt thing that. For yeah. Like a movie. This cheeky fucking a thing. movie where people yeah. are making millions and millions of dollars, spending millions of dollars, like... And not, like, helping communities and not, like... Yeah. It's just so... Like, I love I love movies. 
Mm-hmm. We Same. know this, but it love is movies. like love movies. Love movies. Don't front. Like don't do it. Don't front. Mm. I feel like our whole this whole podcast could be summed up in the the audio of the mother being like, "Don't say that. Don't." Yeah. Mm-mm. Like fully. Don't just, say that. Mm-hmm. It's it's very icky, and I don't even know if they thought about that, but you should be thinking about stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Just, absolutely. Like not even the fucking point. It's just the catalyst of the fucking. It's just so stupid. Like you could have mm-hmm. figured. You could have. You could have. You really could have come up with so many other taglines. So many other taglines. Nope. And to also again take that and at the end of the day make it about a man or a group of men too is mm-hmm. like it's that's that's damn. so weird too it's just like black men aren't the only people who get killed by the police mm-hmm mm-hmm this is real and this is real. honestly like if everybody is doing these sort of like police brutality stories it's going to like it's just going to become like a dramatic like trope and less of like a serious yeah. issue that has still not been resolved that still has not been resolved. That is still happening. And I think yes. that really just goes into like what movies and art really can do and what they can't. Yeah. And maybe, yeah. you know, someone can clap back at me and be like, well, they did the little like, you know, thing at the end, like, and they're like doing all this work. But it's like. The work is not just putting people like on and like highlighting. Exactly. Like, obviously, community. Exactly. I don't know. Community is so important, but like if we're talking about like stopping violence, yeah, there's only one way to get that done. It seems, and I'm not going to talk about that on air. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I almost caught myself one time too. I forgot what movie we were talking about, but I was like, ah, not there. We go. <laughs> For real. I mean, it has been so great having this conversation as well as the one that we had that you couldn't hear because we were both having audio issues. But when we recorded this episode the first time. Retrograde, honey. She's going to come through. She's going to fuck with the tech. And it's just always so good to talk about these things because we need to have conversations about our art and we need to have honest conversations about our art, especially as people who want to see it move forward. I think that there's always going to want to be forward movement. Even when we see what we want to see, we want to see more. We don't want that to be the last thing. Like, you gave us this. Like, that's not it. We want to see more. And, you know, in conclusion for this movie, I had so many high hopes for the sequel to Candyman. Nia still proves to be a formidable director, giving us life with some visuals in the film, like the doing the opposite of the main titles of the first one. Main titles of the first one, we're getting bird's eye view of the city. And in this one, we're getting from under and it's all upside down and backwards and shit. It's wonderful. She knew what the fuck she was doing. Like, she really came. And the actors, like I was saying before, they do what they can for the most part to navigate this script that feels very uncharacteristically on the nose for something that Jordan Peele had a hand in writing. Usually he 
has more of a creative way, at least, of exploring these social issues. There can be moments where he's just being like, huh, you see that, right? But I think in general, with his other films, he's giving us more creative ways to explore things that we already know and different ways to think about them. It almost feels like his love for the original film gets in the way of creating something that is truly original and Mm -hmm. that speaks to us rather than educating white people and helping that audience feel more woke by watching this film, which it didn't even do. Like, what are they supposed to take from that? What what are (laughs) we supposed to take from any of it? What? what? It really didn't. Like, I love when you told me that Allie was like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. And she's not saying you that as like a, oh, I'm uncomfortable because, exactly. you know, talking about the things that black people face. Like, no, we're not supposed to like be watching realistic trauma stuff, like traumatic things that we're not supposed to be seeing. Like, exactly. It's fucked up, exactly. man. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. And, you know, though this film was ultimately disappointing and actually like in a lot of ways upsetting. I'm glad that it did well at the box office for the sake of Nia, hopefully being able to tell more stories on her own terms after the release of the Captain Marvel sequel that she's directing. And again, we will see that's a kind of something that can be very similar to this. Marvel has all these people that are just like, this is the way the story goes, this is that, 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 and that. So we'll see what the deal is with that. And I think that beyond these two projects, she'll hopefully be able to do some stuff that she's really, really super passionate about that she's been working on for years and can, like, get that shit out there. Yeah. So really hopeful for that. Um, Like we talked about before, we've seen so many trajectories of Black women directors and, you know... Hopefully, with Nia, with Janigza Bravo, like with all these folks that are doing some really amazing work and seems to be doing a lot more and more and more and getting opportunities, like I hope that that continues. I really do. Because these are some really, really talented women. So... Candyman 1992 is available to rent on Amazon and Apple, and Candyman 2021 is still in theaters. It's still rocking. So if you haven't seen Jesus. it, <laughs> is Black Widow it's... still in theater? No, it must not be because I think it's I think it's on Disney Plus. Oh my god, that shit is still in theaters. So if you haven't seen it and you're interested and you want to contribute to the conversation, check it out in theaters. And after this little ad break, we will get into the You Better Act Award. Oh my life, I hate to fight. Welcome to this week's You Better Act Award. This is an award that I like to give out every week on the show to a performance that I think deserves more love and attention, and a Black person is just acting. So this is what I do in the show. I give out this award to someone who I deem worthy. So this week's You Better Act Award goes to, drumroll please, Jeffrey Wright in The French Dispatch. Now, 
I bet that you never thought you would hear me mention a Wes Anderson film on this podcast. But I got to see his latest film, The French Dispatch, at the New York Film Festival. And this film is an anthology film that tells three stories from the eyes of three journalists who write at a literary magazine called The French Dispatch. Jeffrey Wright plays one of the writers and is the last one in the film. And his story is my favorite one of the bunch. His assignment is to write about a famous Japanese chef, and it ends up actually being an adventure that entails so much more. I'm not going to say anything in case you're a Wes Anderson fan. Like, I know Amanda is a big Wes Anderson fan, so I'm not going to spoil it or anything. But Jeffrey, you know, has proven at this point that he can do pretty much anything. And here he is proving that he can exceed in this world of Wes Anderson deadpan-ish delivery. And he gives way more depth to his character than many of the other actors in this film who sometimes just like fall into the trap of just delivering his quirky words and just like standing where they're supposed to stand while the set moves behind them. But <laughs> Jeffrey is almost giving us like a James Ball if James Baldwin existed in Wes Anderson's world kind of character. And interestingly enough, he gets a little tribute at the end of the movie, which I appreciate. Everyone, <laughs> when you see James Baldwin's name in the special things, everyone's like, ooh, like, this is, this is interesting. Um, and, you know, like I was saying, there's a million fucking people in this cast. And even still, if there's one thing Jeffrey Wright gonna do, it's gonna be standing out. He's gonna stand out. He's going to do his thing. He's going to show up. So the French Dispatch will be in theaters everywhere on October 22nd. So in closing, some food for thought. What are some recent examples of Black film and television that don't pander to woke whites that you consider to be for us, by us, and very successful? Comment on our Instagram at Adventures in Black Cinema. Follow our Instagram at Adventures in Black Cinema. Subscribe to the pod on Apple and follow the pod on Spotify. Thank you to the team per usual. We have Matt Mozzarella on audio. We have Cindy Edward, our production assistant. And we have Miss Amanda Seals, our executive producer. Thank you so much to Shay for being here today and being our guest. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I feel depleted. We really, like, expelled so much. From we went our in. Bones. <laughs> we went in. And be sure to listen to Shay and Allie's podcast. She's great in that. It is absolutely wonderful. You can find it on all major podcast platforms. And I'm so excited to just see y'all continue to just like blow up and just like Thank you. keep doing the damn thing. Of course. If you haven't seen course. any Pfeiffer's, we did do an episode on Zola. That is, I think, very good. Mm-hmm. If you want a taste of uh, what the fuck the vibe is, that's the vibe. Yeah. Thank you so much Hell for having yeah. me. Oh my Hell god. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And all of these things happening at Nighthawk Cinema. I, on October 26th, will be co-hosting a screening of Gothica on 35mm with former guest host Jordane Searles. That'll be part of a series called Reconsider This, where we do kind of what Shay was talking about earlier. We reconsider these films that were box office bombs, critical misfires, because white people 
who are critics and capitalist folks decided it wasn't good and we want to reconsider them, give them another chance. Jordan will be stating her case on Gothica and at the end of the film, the audience gets to decide whether they think the film is a masterpiece or if it is a mess. I'm putting the power back in the hands of the audience. Of the people. (laughs) So yes, come through for that at our Prospect Park location. The Ring on Halloween will also be at our Prospect Park location. Same thing with Trivia that is co-hosted by Shay. And in two weeks on the podcast, I will be getting into the nitty gritty of Eve's Bayou, which was directed by Casey Lemons, who is in the first Candyman as Bernadette. Yes, so be sure to tune in for that as we get into that wonderful Southern Gothic film. And until then, stay safe, stay black, and stay blessed. Bam! Oh, it's over. Great.